Welcome to my podcast, Rashad in Conversation. I'm your host, Rashad Isa. Quality professionals strive to make businesses and society a better place, regardless of the sector we work in. We do not achieve such efforts single-handedly though. We engage with so many people and subject matter experts from around the world. Having a clear understanding of how and who we interact with makes a successful calibration and helps in driving winning strategies. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Newey. Kevin is the driving force behind Cutting Edge Innovation as the chair of the Greater Peterborough and Cambridge branch of the Chartered Quality Institute, the CQI. He is the global head of quality at Graphcore. With Graphcore's groundbreaking intelligence processing unit, IPU technology, Kevin is part of a team that empowers creators to forge the future of machine intelligence, unlocking untapped human potential. With a remarkable 25-year journey through the realms of high-tech, software, semiconductors, biotech, and pharmaceuticals, Kevin is a go-to expert in business transformation, governance, and assurance. I am delighted to have him join me in this conversation. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Rashad. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Enjoying the lovely, sunny, late well, kind of autumn weather. Yeah, it's really good. It's always a joy uh, when the sun is shining and it's not wet. Yeah, I can, absolutely. I, I can deal with cold weather, but dryness always wins. It yeah. always wins. Sure. Um, Kevin, thank you very much for making the time to join um, the podcast. I've given an introduction, but the listeners will always benefit from hearing it from you. So why don't you tell us about your journey? How did you get to where you are today, please? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, uh, yeah, um, I went to university um, doing biomedical science and um, ended up working in pharma and biotech, um, which is, is interesting because as a as a quality professional, it kind of gives you you kind of one view on systems thinking already, um, because the biological sciences lends that way. Um, it also leads you to kind of question results and question data as well, because the the um, uh, what you know, what you see is um, there's a lot of noise in the systems basically in biological sciences. Um, so it, it 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 leads to question that. And um, as part of, of part of my career journey there, I um, <clears throat> did some Lean and Six Sigma training and really, really enjoyed it, actually. Um, and and the, the Lean focus really drives how I think about um, quality, even to this day. Um, you know, that the customer focus uh, being a, and focus on value being a really key part of, of my driver as as um you will will find you in this conversation i i have no doubt there yeah um so so with with that kind of little taster of of quality um i moved into um high-tech manufacturing um and silicon and software industry um and although it's a completely different sector actually there's a lot of similarities because you're you're still at the cutting edge of innovation um high technology there's a lot of ambiguity in what you're doing. Um, the pace of change is is huge. So as a quality professional, you're having to balance um, that kind of delivery and how you produce quality output for your customers with 
actually getting things done at a, at a really rapid pace. Um, so, so finding that balance for me in that constantly changing environment is really, really, I mean, that's what gets me out of bed in, in the morning, really. It's, it's absolutely inspiring. Um, and also you're working with people that are experts in their field. You know, I am never, ever, ever the smartest person in the room by a long way. Um, so there's just so much to learn to, to just really even, even, even keep pace with what you're doing. And, and, and I like that you've mentioned um, the skill set you've earned. It's, you know, with science, you start with system thinkings and then really it doesn't change in, in any environment, especially if you're working in high tech, because I, I like that you've used the word ambiguity. Um, because really it applies to any project, any environment. So uh, you need to work with the unknown. And how do you how do you get there with the help of other experts, other professionals providing their insights? Um, how do you do it with the fast paced environment? Because I, I I think that's that's a key that's a major um, challenge that many of us face. You know, you want to make sure you uphold a certain standard. I'm not talking about perfection, but just a certain standard. But you also want to deliver something viable and actually workable with your consumer base, with your customer base. For sure, for sure. So there's there's a concept in um in software development called minimum viable product, um, MVP, and um, sometimes it's it's called the kind of minimum lovable product. And uh, which, which which I love actually, it's much much better, much better phrase. Um, from a quality professional um, perspective, actually, I've used the term minimum responsible product. So so it it you know it, it's that what what do we need to do in order for the customer to love it? But actually, it's responsible in terms of it has that longevity that the customer would like. We're compliant with um, laws and regulations, etc. And that we're doing the right thing by the customer as well. I like that. Do you know what? I like them both, the responsible and the lovable. So um, if there is no um, rule or requirement on having the acronym, acronym three letters, let's make it the minimum lovable, responsible, responsible product. Yeah. Product. There you go. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, um, Kevin. So with all of this experience that you have, um, if I ask you to share one success story um, that you think other professionals could benefit from, what would that story be? Yeah, sure. So so again, I'm going to talk about kind of that, that relentless focus on the customer value, um, uh, really, because it, it's, it's just absolutely what drives me. So <clears throat> an example from, um, uh, from my past is, you know, we were looking at a, a software product and it would take um, you know, months to actually do a release. Um, so the um, uh, our releases were, were every few weeks um, and it would take at least a month to do a release. So you're working on multiple different releases concurrently, which cause you all sorts of change control issues. Um, so the, the request from the business was, how can we bring this release cycle down so that we can actually keep our our release process in in within our, our normal sprint release um, cycle there? Um, and the tool that I that I chose to use actually on on talking um, with the business was quality function deployment. And actually, the, the tool that was used is is less important than the process that you go through to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, really, they were looking for something that would 
um, be quite rigorous and we were able to have some sort of um, uh, kind of data and scoring around it so that we could we could gather everyone's information and have some sort of framework to make that discussion because the team really, really wanted to make the change, but they were concerned about, they were telling me things like, they thought they should be doing this as part of the as part of the release process or the quality team told them that they can't do it or legal told them that they have to do a certain thing and we were trying to challenge those assumptions and weigh up the different pros and cons and why you're doing certain things um so it's so one thing that um that they did was the test release uh, the output from the from the tests on the on the release process were being uh, taken from the piece of software that that outputted it and then made into a more human readable format. And that took several days of engineering time to do. And then that was packaged up and shipped out to the customer as part of the release. No one cared about that information whatsoever. We had to have record keeping to prove that we'd done it. Um, you know, should you ever challenged on it or should for en good engineering reasons, we want to go back and check what happened. Um, but the customer did not need to see the full detail of our test release. So we, for something as silly as that, we were able to save multiple engineering days on, on that. And you know, the whole, the, the cost went down um, to like a quarter of the cost for release wow. and, and managed to, to halve the release time as well. So it, it was, it was a great project um, working with, you know, with legal, the, the customer, facing teams with the engineering teams as well so it was a full cross-functional thing and there were lots of there were lots of quick really easy simple quick wins like that uh, piece of customer documentation but there were other spin-off things that took a little bit longer to implement um but were responsible for making such big savings i mean to to get to a saving of 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 that substance you know that substantial saving that's not easy but what i like about what you said is challenging all of the different um uh, assumptions which sometimes is driven by a misunderstanding of what the requirements are as well um yeah, so sure. to be able to bring that to the table um, and say well why are we doing it who wants it who needs it is it required by law um, and sometimes it doesn't have to be required by law to be done if it's cool. the right thing. But once you know that, then you can cater the output of that process to better need the operation and the end-to-end -end process rather than have it a rigorous step. Ab absolutely. So, so for sure, the integration test that we we're doing, we wanted to do it because it was the right thing to do. You, you can't just release it without doing an integration test. But we didn't need to send the customer a, a prettified picture of what we were doing. They weren't in, interested in, in how we did it. They just wanted to know it worked. Correct. Yes. I always say when I work with uh, software developers in, in most of the projects is, could you just give me the list of the features that you tested as part of the sprint? Mm. Only in certain occasions, I have a specific requirement of what the test report should include um, to accommodate requirements that are regulation or or legal. But in general, all I want to know is that the feature you developed, you've tested and the test worked. That, yeah, that is sure. fine. Just give me the green light and, and life is good. Kevin, if I 
switch the coin right now, flip the coin and talk about um, a situation whereby um, you've had an incident, um, whether within the quality team or within the software developers, and then you've deployed a quality framework, whether it's about improvement, assurance or governance um, that helped save the day. What would that be? Okay, yeah. <clears throat> uh, good question, good question. So we, we were shipping um, to some customers in Asia and we were doing some, they were doing some internal quality acceptance tests and um, they spotted a rattle, um, which are, you know, it, it, it shouldn't rattle <laughs> um, uh, and, and opened up the box and it was caused by a, a loose washer. Um, so a really, really um, simple thing for a, for a high tech product. But you know, a loose washer can cause a short across um, electrical connector. So it's 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 a it's a significant quality issue, mm -hmm. even though it's a low tech um, problem. Um, and we had um, you know, over a hundred of these um, of these pieces of equipment um, that had to be installed the next week. Um, and it would have taken probably a week to open all the boxes and and then check for loose connections and and then do some retests. So that was that was totally unacceptable to the customer. Um, so what we decided to do in the end was actually, well, the, it was identified because it made an audible rattle. Actually, can we validate? Can we just turn the thing upside down? And does it make a rattling noise? So, you know, we, we tested this with a loose washer inside the system. Actually, can we positively identify the faulty piece of kit? Yes, we can. Um, and you know, we we tested a sample by opening up the boxes just to validate um, that 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 was fine. But it, it's just doing something really simple like that. So we had we had a team go in there on the Saturday. You know, everyone had coffee and and croissants and whatever, um, just to motivate the team a bit. And then and then it's a case of literally picking the box up, turning it upside down. Does it rattle? No, it's all good. Let's seal it back up. And then we were able to um, to install and, and run the validation tests on the Monday, which is exactly what the customer wanted. So, so for for them, it was a perfectly acceptable situation. They um, were amazed that I, with how we handled it, um, and really helped our relationship with that customer because customers understand that things happen, right? Mm -hmm. no, no process is perfect. That always things go wrong. Um, and they were just really pleased with how we managed to resolve it. We were, they were happy with our solution. We were able to get their systems online to meet their deadlines, which was you know really important to them. And, um, yeah, in the end, we actually changed the design for that washer so that it wouldn't come out in the future. Um, but in that instance, in that instant, we were able to fix it. So yeah, a, a really good kind of, um, corrective and, and preventive action there um uh doing something really simple but proving so what, it works what, what i heard you say is really few points that are if i, if I can sort of break them apart mm. the, the first thing is understanding what your customer wanted and uh understanding the importance of the deadline that was yeah. in place so that didn't seem that was lost in sight when there is a problem which is always essential when you're working on a problem with your clients the second thing i've heard you say is about the collaboration with the whole team and i'm just going to pick about something which we've got 
you know, as simple as it is, coffee and croissant, but to motivate the team, tells me that the team actually, how much they take pride in what they do, that they were all disappointed that something reached the client um, that wasn't up to standard. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely disappointed. Um, and, and the other thing actually that really helps motivate the team is after the event, you know, they were praised um, within the company and the, the report of what happened made itself up to the kind of top management meeting where we made a big deal of how the, how the team pulled out all the stops to make sure that the customer got the um, their systems installed on time. And this is something not many people forget, but some people do, is everybody within organizations, within teams, actually take pride in what they do. Um, it's not a rarity. It's actually the common grounds. And when those problems happen, working with the team to make sure we support them so as they can overcome this obstacle is always essential. And then they'll, they're part of the solution. And sometimes the solution is as you said, just flip the box. You know, it doesn't have to be a science. It just have to be, let's get everybody involved and say, if we do this test, would this fit the bill? And if the answer is yes, you got a quick turnaround within one day. So that's an excellent story. There's one thing you mentioned earlier, Kevin, which I'd like to touch on a little bit because for everybody out there that's trying to use tools, you mentioned about um, uh, quality function deployment. Yeah. But you also mentioned that the tool is not what's important. It's actually um, how you get there. And, yeah. and I find it, well, I found it later on in my career, not early on, but sometimes you work and you can easily get sucked into the world of your own context, your own environment. Yep. That you forget that actually professionals, industry sectors from around the world would have faced a similar problem or there would have been a standardized tool or technique, you know, out of somebody's toolbox that could help the situation. So I always tell quality professionals, go with your gut instinct. If you want to develop something that is only catered to what you need, do it and get to where you want to get. But if you have five minutes one day on a Friday morning or on a Friday afternoon, do tap into that research because if you can find that actual defined pre-tested tool, that will help give more weight to the yeah. um, uh, usage that you're putting in place. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. Um, and and you're, you're totally right that the context really makes a difference. So, you know, a, a lot of the, um, the, the work I do is, is in that, that kind of high paced ambiguous environment where you may not have you may have a lot of data on the process you may not it depends on what you're doing right so so some of of the tools um that many of the quality professionals listening to this will be familiar with may not necessarily be applicable um so you've got to use much much lighter tools in that context um so you know process mapping versus value stream mapping for instance yeah um and also it's it's worth noting that if you're working with a team in a business and they're they're less familiar with the tools, if it's taking you two hours to explain a tool to them, you know, you're you care about it, but they probably don't by this stage, right? <laughs> um, so so I, I think there's a you know, you've got to choose the right tool for the job. And that that is a huge advantage of knowing having this kind of suite 
of, of tools that you gain through experience over your career is that you can draw on the right one um, and adapt it and flex it and understanding that, that the context really is king here. Kevin, somebody like you with your experience and um, with the sectors that you work in, where do you get your inspiration from? Oh, really good question. Where do I get my inspiration from? So a lot of the time it's with the people that I work with. You know, they are so, so passionate about what they do. Um, you know, a, a lot of my colleagues are working on their own, their own amazing innovations in their spare time um or you know they they have um you know, museums of computer hardware stored in their garage and things like that dating back decades it's just wow. the, the the passion for for technology and advancements and and kind of you know, making the world a better place through technology is something that drives me 100% um and you know, these people are, are really interesting and and you know, really want their their work to make a difference mm -hmm. in the world. Um, and, and that hugely motivates me working with like minded people. It's all about people. It's all about people. All about people, for sure. Um, any books, podcasts, journals and your go to a magazine, something you refer to? Yeah, yeah. So um uh, books and journals. Um, so Atomic Habits by James Clear is a fantastic one that I would I would absolutely recommend. And it's it's a really good book that talks about kind of some of the concepts, concepts of continuous improvement, but outside of a quality setting, um, more on a, a kind of like a personal setting, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is really interesting. And then and a book that I read um, uh, earlier this year that is... Um, 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman is, is a fantastic book that, that kind of challenges how we perceive time. Um, so 4,000 Weeks is the average um, lifespan of a, of a person, um, which it's, you know, it's not that much time, actually. So, you know, it, it really talks about actually how, how to make the most of your time, and also to not worry about doing everything because you can't do everything. No. You, ju you just need to make sure you're spending your time how you want to and en enjoy, make a difference and enjoy it. Um, Kevin, thank you very much for sharing all of your insights. I've got one more thing to do so as our listener could um, get to know you as um, as a person and not as the professional. So I'm going to sure. quick fire questions and just without thinking, give me your answer. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee, 100%. Summer or winter? Oh, winter. With sunshine though. Winter with sunshine, yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, murder mysteries or rom-coms? Murder mysteries. Any favorite detective? Oh, uh, to be honest, it's neither. <laughs> Generally speaking, um, uh, but if I if I had to go for one, um, I, I'm more kind of like sci-fi and horror. 
Oh but, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but murder mystery is probably closer to that than than rom com is. Yes, I I cannot help you with um, horror. That is definitely not my genre. Uh, but murder mysteries is the one for me. Um, and then finally, uh, Kevin, night in or night out? Um, I would I would say night in. I would say night 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 in with my dogs and family. Absolutely perfect. Sounds amazing. Thank you very much, Kevin, for everything you've shared. I certainly love um, the minimum lovable product. I will certainly work on deploying all of that. I love the skills that you've shared, working with ambiguity, trying to balance what's required, getting it right, with also the, um, uh, the customer's expectation to have something they can work with. All very valuable. You have been listening to Rashad in Conversation with me, your host, Rashad Isa. If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe, follow or download as I bring you monthly guests from around the world to share their stories of the quality profession.